0: They're coming to get you, Barbara. What an excellent day for an exit. Welcome to Flight
1: Night. Welcome in, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure we were just going to go into the shows or no? <laughs> I
0: didn't either. Continue. Okay.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, coming to you live from the employee bathroom at the TCQ video store, where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome back, fellow queerdos. Hi, my name is Raymond. I'm Jell-O. I'm lime green
0: Jell-O, and I can finally admit that to myself. Oh, my God. Hi, everyone. I think my ex-boyfriend's dog is stalking me. My name is Nicholas. Uh, We are starting off a new month, and I'm so excited for this. We are entering June. It is now episode 17. We're almost at 20, and that kind of freaks me out a little bit that we've been doing this for 20 episodes.
1: (laughs) That is a lot. I really,
0: I didn't expect to get past like 10, in honesty. (laughs) I know. I don't think I saw four past that one, but we're going to start off a new themed month. Last month was our month of Mothers. Oh, she wants to talk about Mothers. (laughs) And since it is Pride Month, we are going to celebrate with a lineup of flicks that are gay as f***. Our queerest flicks lineup starts off with Jennifer's Body from 2009. I I can already hear the soundtrack. I I cannot wait to talk about this movie. This movie is a time capsule, and I can't wait to get to it. Uh, Before we begin, we just want to bring up, hello, everyone. We are in need of those comments, those likes, those reviews.
1: Those follows, those retweets, those regrams.
0: (laughs) We're trying to expand, and we would greatly appreciate it if you just took a second to give us a review, a like, comment, wherever you are streaming your podcast. It really helps us out, and we're almost at our one thousand five hundred listens mark so we're getting there we're slowly getting there i know we took uh unfortunate week off due to malfunctions but we're back we're rolling the queens are ready we got new heels they're patent. oh leather the bitch pink. oh the bitch oh the bitch is back <laughs> uh, before we start we're gonna start with our ever wonderful slice news update so many things are dropping. So many trailers, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. many new mm-hmm. movies. It is very exciting. This summer is kind of looking like the summer of like horror movies again. and That makes me... I mean, hello. Look at us. Look how I'm Look beaming. At Look at the material. I'm beaming. I'm so ready for everything. Uh, last Night in Soho finally released a trailer, and I think it looks stunning. I know you still need to take time to watch it, but according to According to the official film synopsis, uh, Edgar writes psychological thriller about a young girl passionate in fashion design who's mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer, but 1960s London is not what it appears and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. It looks very interesting. I don't want to spoil too much for you or anyone who hasn't really watched it, but it gives me like those classic like slow burn very strange and colorful like 1960s 70s type of like haunting types of horror Uh, okay fashions are there the lurks are there the uh quality is there they spent money on this honey oh my god Mm -hmm. well I mean you can't do like
1: a fashion horror thriller and not have fashion in it so
0: Oh, I know. You got to give me something. But uh, our main actress, what's her name from? Anya Taylor-Joy. Thank you, Anya Taylor-Joy. She sings Downtown from uh, 1960s or whatever. It's so good. She's got a great voice. And of course, horror movies always have to take songs and make them scary. So it just fucking works. I love when they do that. Me too. I'm a sucker for it. I will listen to any like remixed horror version anywhere. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see this. I love Edgar Wright. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I love mm-hmm. all of the aesthetics. Like I love everything that they're that- giving me. So this is definitely something I've never seen in horror before. So, or if this is even considered horror. Oh, it's thriller. hardcore horror. It's, it oh, really? looks
0: hardcore horror and it's nice. I love Slow because of this podcast, I've been forced to look at like the types of movies that I really like. I no. used to say that I was a B 80s horror movie type of gal, but as we've looked through everything, I think I'm more of like a slow burn type of bitch. I love that, like, deeply scarring give me an hour or two before you really develop what you're trying to do. Jesus, well, she is slow, <laughs>
1: so that would make a lot of sense. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Another trailer that I dropped is Escape Room 2, Tournament of Champions. Uh, our gal, India more stars. And I didn't get to see Escape Room 1, so...
0: I heard it was uh, great, though. So. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm thoroughly surprised by that. I mean, I get it. It was awesome. It's... People are describing it as like, <laughs> uh, saw. Ba- baby saw. Like it's not as like hardcore as saw is, but I really enjoy like the traps that they do. I wasn't the biggest fan of like the ending. It to me, every, every all new movies are constantly trying to do like an Avengers thing, where they're like trying to connect and make long. Uh, lat- oh, I think I watched like the dead
1: meat on it or something. So mm-hmm. the ending of escape well spoiler alert the ending of escape room one is supposed to be like the beginning of the next escape room correct
0: yeah it's a lot i will say though the stuff that they showed in this one seems really neat i'm on the biggest draw for me and all honesty is india moore because i fucking worship the ground that she walks on so uh... i fucks with india moore Oh, I fucks with indie more hard. So I, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm obviously gonna see this. I enjoyed the first one, second one. I'm kind of excited for, uh, yeah. but it's just horror movie after horror movie after horror movie. Even ones that we weren't really expecting, like the new, mm. the next one we're gonna talk about. Well, I'm not mad at that. <laughs> But the next one is going to be False Positive. It also dropped, it's going to be a Hulu original film. Uh, it's <laughs> it's going to star Broad City's Alana Glazer and the synopsis, oh I know, I stan anything, her and Abby Jacobson. I, mm-hmm. I watched the Mitchells and the Machines the other day just because Abby's in it and I fucking love her. <laughs> A quick synopsis is, after months of trying and failing to get pregnant, Lucy, Alana Glazer, and Adrian, who's gonna be played by Justin Thoreau, super hotty alert. Ooh. Give us the rings. It's all I ever think of. Give us the rings. F- <laughs> I forget he's the bad guy in Charlie's Angels too. <laughs> But uh, they finally find their dream fertility doctor in the illustrious Dr. Hindle, who's gonna be played by Pierce Brosnan. But ooh. after becoming pregnant with a healthy baby girl, Lucy begins to notice something sinister through Hindle's gleaming charm. She us out, ooh and she sets out to uncover the unsettling truth about him and her own, quote, birth story, as if getting pregnant weren't complicated enough. The film's also going to star Sophia Bush and Gretchen Mall. Director is going to be John Lee. Uh, He had directed a few Broad City episodes and Netflix's uh, uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. So that's so interesting that he's going into this direction. I didn't see
1: the trailer, but just from the synopsis and from who's in it, I'm all on board. For some reason, I'm getting some, like, rosemary's baby vibes
0: i don't think that's the route they're gonna go but i'm feeling like influence from that it's very evident in the trailer it has like some 1970s shots and i mean you can't anytime there's gonna be like some weird horror pregnancy thing you're immediately gonna get compared to rosemary's baby yeah it's like the mecca of horror fucking pregnancy scares so good Sweet. So that ends our slice news update. So many trailers. We're also trying our hardest to fucking keep up at this point. Jesus, that was a
1: lot. I didn't. I saw one of the three.
0: <laughs> but listeners, we are going to begin this week's episode. We are going to prom in Devils Kettle, Minnesota, to check out the most terrifying creature of them all: teenage girls. <laughs> <laughs> For this week's rental, we are checking out Jennifer's Body from 2009, written by Diablo Cody and directed by Karen Kusama. You and me are going out tonight. Wear something cute, okay? You always do what Jennifer tells you to do. It's just that I like the same things that she likes. Hey,
1: Jennifer. You look really pretty.
0: Why don't you just come by my place? This is random.
1: This isn't really your house, is it?
0: We can play mommy and daddy.
1: No way.
0: We always share your bed when we have slumber parties. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil, not high school evil. Chip is looking really cute to me lately. How is he tasting these days? You are never a good friend. You could have anybody that you want. I chip. You're killing people. You no, know, I'm killing boys. I'm so scared. I thought you only murdered boys. I go both ways. I will finish you if I have to. Okay. You can barely finish gym class. <laughs>
1: Currently streaming, you can catch this movie on Stars, and that's about it. Everywhere else, you're gonna have to <laughs> rent or purchase.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: luckily for us, we own it, so sexy suck.
0: Uh, but moving on 420, what you smoking? What did you Woo-hoo. pair with this week's rental? This week, I finally picked up some weed because it was running low again, and I feel like I say that like almost every other episode. You do, you really do. <laughs> But uh, I ended up smoking Blackjack Cross with Durban Poison Two classics but Oh the Jesus, big, this I know. sounds intense Oh no, not really, it's like a sativa and a sativa hybrid It just makes me peppy, I'm peppy I'm up, I'm up, you know, I got things to do Let's go, let's go <laughs> uh, But the biggest deal was just that I finally got to make my stash Look all pretty I sent you pictures
1: Yes, I did see the pictures Um, And it is stunning Someone took some notes and got- flake off. Public school, calm down. Excuse me. I wasn't gonna give myself any credit. I was just gonna say she put her (laughs) stuff in cute little jars and organized everything. Bitch. Oh, wait a minute. Bitches. Uh, I paired this week. What did I smoke this week? I'm still working on my stash as per usual. Uh, But I broke out our big bong. It's a beautiful- It says fire on It is a brand. P-H-I-R-E. It's really nice, like green glass bong. And um, like to put ice in there.
0: So. <gasps> Ooh, so luxurious. Mmm, so refreshing. I love mm-hmm. it. Mm hmm. So for this week, it sounds like you needed to smoke a little bit to get ready for this fucking <laughs> amazing black teen comedy. Like it is black comedy is just my favorite. I love, I mm. love dark humor, and this isn't for everybody. <laughs>
1: No, and Diablo Cody's writing is definitely not for everybody. Like, if you didn't enjoy something like Juno, you're
0: not going to enjoy this movie. I'm glad that you're bringing that up just because that portion is kind of what tanked this movie. So, let's take a trip down memory, you know, memory road. 2009, Jennifer's Body. Do you remember when this came out? Where were you? In
1: 2009. I was still going to community college and working and I think what, I turned 21. I just turned 21. So I was, bitch, I was probably drunk when this came out then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're so stupid. Did you go to theaters to see this? No, I didn't.
1: And as a matter of fact, I didn't even see it until like well into its release on like at home video. Really? Yeah, for some reason. You know what it was? You know what it is? I just remembered. I, you know me, and I hate like huge blockbuster movies that are overhyped. And Megan Fox had just come off of a huge fame of Transformers. And so they were pushing her so hard for this movie. I like, I couldn't see it. I was like, I I get it. It's geared towards me. It's Diablo Cody and it's horror, but I couldn't do it.
0: I couldn't, not at the time. It's good that you brought this up. This Megan Fox imagery that was Fucking forced down uh, general audiences, but the way that they marketed her is what really hurt this movie. And one of the things, like I, you know me, I will get on my soapbox immediately if I'm very passionate about something. And this movie, I'm very passionate about because this movie was so wrongly marketed. It was it was really disgusting, kind of what they did in order to do this. It even popped up on my fucking Blu-ray cover that I have. They marketed her as just like a straight-up body. She was just a sex symbol, which is not yeah. what this movie's about. This movie was marketed towards young, i I'm talking 18 to 24, white, gross, hetero, horny as shit males. Oh, Jesus. Gross. And while doing all of this, this research, males. Thank you. While doing all of this research. I was looking at all of the reviews that came out on this movie, and a lot of them were so unfair just because Megan Fox and Diablo Cody that was lit, like mm-hmm. these two were so wrongly ostracized for this movie. But while researching it, the comments on it were so disgusting. I really don't want to highlight what I found, but the way that they just use like viewed Megan Fox as a body and using disgusting language and tearing this movie down because it didn't sexualize her enough was weird it's so weird and it's so unjust to this movie because I love this movie and I love the comedy in this movie it's a great movie
1: and I learned to appreciate not that I had to learn to appreciate I just had to like mm-hmm. get over the fact that Megan Fox was in it and give it a chance and it is it's a solid movie but unfortunately what they marketed it as and what they chose to focus on did not meet up with the filmmaker and the writer's
0: intentions absolutely not and i can't wait to break that down uh so starting off release september 18th 2009 it is now 12 years old which makes me feel so fucking old 11 12 12 oh right. Lord. Mm-hmm. again right No, cuz t- <laughs> we could do math 2009 would be 2010 2020 2001 yeah 12 yeah You're yeah right. no we See? <laughs> <laughs> i'm too high anyway runtime of 102 minutes our taglines the one and only,
1: <clears throat> she's evil and not just high school evil. I think it's cute, it's funny, it's so cute, it's, it's to the point. Uh, getting to the breakdown, directed by Karen Kusama and written by infamous Diablo Cody, starring Megan Fox as Jennifer check And of course, it was very important for them to bring Jennifer or excuse me, Megan Fox on because she was just coming off the height. Of fame from Transformers,
0: mm-hmm. and I know her from Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen with Lindsay Lohan, iconic. I know you don't, but that made my little like pee, pre-pubescent like brain so happy when I watched that movie.
1: I've never seen it. I've never. I think I've seen so like bits good. and pieces. So, good. Uh, starring Amanda Seyfried as Anita Needy Lesnicki coming from Mean Girls fame. Hello, Karen.
0: I'm a mouse. Duh. Also, she just finished Mamma Mia. Iconic. Iconic. I will start singing, but I will immediately get a decease. <laughs> Cease <her>. a disorder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also starring Johnny Simmons as Chip Doe, your little boyfriend. What's his name? Young Neil from Scott Pilgrim.
0: From Scott Pilgrim. He was also in Perks of Being a Wallflower. He played the bully box. mm mm-hmm. uh,
1: J.K. Simmons as Mr. Robleski.
0: Robleski? The-
1: Robleski, sure.
0: Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> 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 uh, let
1: me say it one more time. J.K. Simmons as Mr. Vorbeleski. Amy Sedaris as Tony Lesnicki. Uh, Adam Brody as Nikolai Wolf. Oh, Adam Brody in this movie. Oh, it's he's busy. so hot. I know. He's so hot. And Nick's stunning boyfriend, Kyle Galliner, as Colin Gray from Nightmare on Elm Street Remake and A Hunting Connecticut. And
0: if you- <laughs> yes! Read it! I want you to fucking read it! I'm not reading it! Read it! You read this outline horror.
1: <laughs> From Nightmare on Elm Street fame and Hannah Honey, in Connecticut. And if you needed an exhausted honey in the early 2000s, he was your guy. Also Veronica Mars fame. He, he we admittedly had never seen an episode. <laughs>
0: I fucking hate you. Okay, because I cannot stress like this time frame was his of like if you needed someone who looked exhausted, was maybe up absolutely on drugs but and pale, he was your fucking man. <laughs> and I do not care. I am not ashamed. This was all during my emo phase, and I had the and biggest, his emo phase too. Honestly, the biggest fucking crush on him. I. You still I do. You still I know, do. but his hair, re watching it now, his hair is so gross. It's so gross.
1: Everything is gross, Jackie. The makeup, the hair, the costuming, the styling. It's
0: also very hot topic. Wig, okay. I was a hot topic whore. I used to call it my Walmart, like a fucking nerd.
1: You still are a hot topic whore.
0: Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's not a phase,
0: Mom. It's not a phase. It's who I am. Continuing on, <laughs> we have pre Marvel Jurassic Zaddy himself, Chris Pratt as Officer Roman Dutta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he plays like the asshole a little too well, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> oh, because in all honesty, he probably really is an asshole, like deep down He's under. He's so hot. He's I so know. Hot. I know, but he's also like, you want to go behind
0: the share. Piggly Wiggly
1: and see what we can find? <laughs> Take behind the Piggly Wiggly and make me squeal, Daddy. <laughs> 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 Moving on to reviews before we get fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb gave it a 5.3 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 47 out of 100.
0: AV Club gave it a D, plus, dude. What the fuck? I will get into all of these reviews and the perception of this movie later. It's even in the notes because I have so much to say on the way that people fucking destroyed this movie undeservedly. Uh, Rotten
1: Tomatoes gave it a 45% and a 35% audience score.
0: Those are really shitty reviews. They are really shitty reviews. They are horrible reviews. And I... I set out a whole section on this outline dedicated just to the reviews because it's so Oh, unfair. she's got opinions. I've got opinions. I've got, you've got a lot of opinions of me tonight, Shane. <laughs> so we're going to start with our development and our production. Hot after her successful and Oscar-winning debut of Juno, Diablo Cody set her sights on creating her own version of horror. One of her main influence being the 1987 teen black comedy, The Lost Boys. While writing the script, Cody had stated, quote, simultaneously trying to pay tribute to some of the conventions that we've already seen in horror, yet at the same time kind of turn them on their head, end quote. And when it came to her Lost Boys influence, she had stated, I wanted to honor that, and at the same time, I had never really seen this particular subgenre done with girls, and tried to do a little bit of both. One of her biggest influences was to showcase a new form of expressing female bonds. She wanted to address the male-dominated horror genre, and to quote, to subvert the classic horror model of women being terrorized. I wanted to write roles that service women. I want to tell stories from a female perspective. I want to create good parts for actresses where they're not just accessories to men. And ah, that is so fucking evident in this movie. This movie is so feminist and punk rock. It's It's sick. And how do you feel about Diablo Cody before I go further on that?
1: I feel like she is like a product of her generation and unfortunately like a writer and artist before her time like Mm -hmm. this movie was like way before her time like nobody was ready for this Mm -mm. nobody was ready for them to write a horror movie in this way from a female perspective about a a female friendship that started from the point when they were children and blossomed and kind of followed this complicated relationship that you get to when you get to high school because that's when everybody's Mm -hmm. changing
0: and Mm -hmm. things get complicated and and then there's also this mixed like romantic feelings that they also use throughout the movie. This movie's weird, mm. and I can it, I find it so interesting that 20th Century Fox lit this, and then of course they marketed it on on correctly, but they lit this even knowing what the source material was because this is a weird movie. This is a weird yeah. movie. But I,
1: I'm a fan of Diablo Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy Juno. I enjoy this. I'm not. Like, I guess I'm not like a huge fan because I don't know all of her work. Um, but the things that I have seen and the things that I know from her, I enjoy. Um, but this in particular, Jennifer's Body, I, I think it's a great piece of work. I just think that it was a product before its time. Like nobody was ready for this.
0: It really wasn't. And I'm glad that you brought that up just because I feel like this movie is, in its essence, it's like a revenge rape movie without actually dealing with the implications of rape and mm-hmm. someone seeking revenge this movie echoes a lot very not strangely because this has always been happening but this movie echoes the me too movement and i feel like if this movie release were to be released now holy shit like the the it could be huge which really just sucks in the end of that because diablo cody was so unfairly uh, like critiqued and so unfairly pushed aside because a she comes from a stripping background so she becomes discredited because of that and mm-hmm. then B people don't like her style of writing and because they just don't like it they discredit it as just like artwork and something to like watch, which just sucks. That just like just because people don't personally like you, they can't like look at the piece that you wrote and see how good it is.
1: Yeah, definitely. Or they can't just because they can't appreciate
0: your work they like discredit you. Which is awful. Cause the same thing kind of happened with Megan Fox and you brought it up like during this time period, Megan Fox was so unjustly like terrorized throughout the media. Mm -hmm. I just remember everybody always consistently dogging on her about everything. She really couldn't do anything. And there's even an interview with Entertainment Weekly or Entertainment Tonight, whatever the fuck that's called, where Diablo and Jennifer talk 10 years after and she talks about all that and it sucks. It just sucks for both of these people because this
1: movie fucking rocks, rocks. This was at the height of the whole like paparazzi and the Mm -hmm. trash tabloids Mm -hmm. and all that shit about just, for the most part, tearing down women Um, and Megan Fox, because she was such a hot commodity at the time, She was on every fucking tabloid. She was on every Mm -hmm. computer screen and everything. And unfortunately for me, like I couldn't get over it. So that's why I didn't see the movie. But Mm.
0: I mean, years later, look at the material. It's still (laughs) rock, it's still really good. So. Absolutely. Uh, Moving on, before landing on their lead actresses, Emma Stone was also reportedly in talks to star as Needy, which I can absolutely see. While Mm -hmm. Blake Lively was also attached at one point. Due to scheduling conflicts with Gossip Girl, she turned down the role, and I really can't see anyone else but Megan Fox playing this role. Same. Same. I have feelings about Amanda, though. She brings this mean girl quality to it that's a very...
1: Whether it's because it, she's drawing from real life or not, it just comes naturally to her. And why do you have feelings about Amanda Seyfried as Needy?
0: I'll get to it when we start talking about the script and, like delivery and stuff. I'll bring it back up. But you're right about Megan Fox. I think what's so good about her in this movie is that she's playing on the perception that people had about her during this time period in this movie. Yeah. She's playing (laughs) the girl that everybody thinks that she actually is and that's why she's Mm. so fucking good in it. I'm
1: like oh you want me to be the bitch i'll be the bitch i'll be the best bitch there's
0: ever bitched around you fucking bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> reportedly they also sought out actual musicians who were popular at the time pete wentz from fallout boy and joel madden lead vocalist from band good charlotte were considered fun fact the title of the movie is rumored to be titled after the 1994 whole song jennifer's body that's interesting i didn't know that
0: i didn't either i don't know if that's confirmed but i mean there, so I can see Literally, why it's pinpointed thing. together, and I and love that album. It's
1: whole. It's whole. It's,
0: it's, such it's like whole. A punk, female
1: punk rock band, of course. Why wouldn't you want it? Punk
0: volume number one. No one says that, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> filming dates were pushed from late 2007 to March 7th of 2008 due to the Writers Guild of America strike. And I remember that. Everything was halted because of that. A lot I of shows ended too. because of it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of productions were halted. Mhm. With an estimated budget of 16 million, their locations included Okay, excuse me if I fuck up any of these. <laughs> Burnaby, British Columbia at Robert Burnaby Park near Caribou Hill Secondary School, as well as a lot of local Vancouver area schools were used for locations. However, the waterfalls shown in Devil's Kettle were actually filmed at Devil's Kettle waterfall and Judge C.R. At Magne State Park, near Grand Marais, Minnesota. Whew, I only tripped up once. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> uh, the waterfall scenes, including the whirlpool, were all digitally added by Canby EFX Group and the moving picture company, otherwise known as MPC. I didn't, I didn't clock the waterfall. Like I didn't know that the whirlpool itself was all digital. I didn't clock it once and I didn't figure that out until my research.
1: I kind of clocked it a little bit did you i I know like those kind of what's that technically called that like whirlpool i guess i know that Mm -hmm. those really exist in Mm -hmm. nature um but judging from the looks of it and what they were doing there i was like i don't think they filmed this at a real location
0: questionable to me no yeah i can see that i can also see this all being not the U.S. because everything is so lush in this movie. It's also got the color palette of like every early 2000s horror movie ever. That like grunge. to dingy.
1: Yeah. Kind of look.
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm just surprised they didn't do the saw like gross filter. filter
1: <laughs> or do the like Texas Chainsaw like Polaroid noise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer's demonic form, which is at one point referred to her evil Jennifer phase, went through multiple iterations until the form was decided upon. The creators implemented multiple techniques to show Jennifer's phases. They would use a photo double that would undergo a majority of the heavy practical um, special effects on set, while also using digital effects in combination in post-production. A live head cast was created that would have the quote snake-like jaw hinge. In post, they would blend the photo double, Megan on set, as well as the fake head. That was a lot of work. I saw that. And that was, I mean, the, the effects are great. Don't get me wrong. Obviously yeah. it paid they off. They still kind of hold up. They're not too bad. Yeah, no. And you know why? It's because they're simple and they're they're scarcely used. And mm-hmm. they blended in practical effects as well. That's why it still holds up 12 years later.
0: Is this true? And even the practical effects we do get, and the majority of, the majority of it is like someone's like fucked up body or a lot of blood. <laughs> and what they do show is good. I I actually genuinely enjoy a lot of the deaths in this movie. It's pretty solid. Yeah, it was really good. Apparently, the teams took special attention to how to transform Megan while still maintaining, quote, some sort of Megan Fox allure. They tried warping her face in multiple different ways, but nothing kind of seemed to fit fairly well they ended up focusing on anything below her nose attempting at ensuring she still had a quote-unquote sex appeal to her Uh, eric nordby of KB stated in an interview with animation world network that the different stages they wanted to use in portraying jennifer's transformations quote stage one is beautiful jennifer and then two and three were strictly makeup where her eyes becoming more recessed and she would start to look plain like the rest of us which Fuck you. It's kind of rude to say. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing on. And stage four was custom dentures that can be made for her. And then visual effects. Stage five was the full on as crazy as it gets, which you don't really see until the near end. And I love all that. It really showcases it because she does go through all the stages. And my favorite stage of like weird Jennifer is when she's supposed to be quote unquote, like the rest of us because it's literally just like a blemish. And she got like maybe six hours of sleep
1: yeah she's got like a little <laughs> bit of bag under her eyes and maybe like a zit on her chin and i was like okay
0: yeah, way to come for us that's me on a good day like go oh, fuck <laughs> you <yeah.
1: laughs> that's me after a cup of coffee and a bowl and a shower and breakfast
0: and if i'm in a good mood did i have did i sleep well like where else am i
1: <laughs> but i like the different stages of her like i like when she's got the sunken in eyes when she hasn't been fed Mm -hmm. Um, And she says she feels like boo-boo at one point. (laughs) Um, So I love all that. It's good. For the vomit scene at Needy's house, the special effects team rigged a mechanism to clamp around Megan's ears while the tube was fed down the sides. She would bite down on the tubing while chocolate syrup would projectile out.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Once again, we reference Hershey's chocolate syrup. Hello, Psycho. Go listen to our other episode, a little... Ding, right there for me. Handsy-ass mama's boy. <laughs> uh, reportedly, Megan Fox lost around 15 pounds, bringing her weight to very frail 97 pounds. And she also stated that she stayed out of the sun to appear a lot paler. And she, in my opinion, she looks like she's built like a high schooler, and I don't mean that in a bad way.
1: <laughs> Where they have, like, very little body because they're not fully developed Yeah. Yet
0: yeah like she has like the framework of uh, a teenager but i also think like her framework really aids like she's taking down these giant like footballers and just like disemboweling them which i think just that's plays true to that. yeah i didn't
1: think about that i do think it's like i mean this is common at the time and probably still common in hollywood today i'm very sure but for her to like drop underneath 100 pounds it's just like oh it hurts my heart. Yeah. It almost feels like you're sickly at that
0: point. Yeah, body image was definitely far more scrutinized. I mean, it still kind of is, but we're slowly moving into a f- quote unquote more boz- body positive yeah. image. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I don't even like saying that because even then, that's still not true. There's still a lot of like criticism and bullshit out there. But mm-hmm. I, it's also not uncommon. And then like male actors are praised for like losing weight or gaining weight, while like it's whatever. I'm not gonna get into that because that's another fucking soapbox <laughs> for me. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, For music, I just really wanted to do a very, very quick note on this soundtrack. It is fucking sick. It is probably my favorite soundtrack that we've had on any of the movies that we've reviewed so far. The music became an essential piece for the film. The types of the bands that were talked about, the bands that were showcased, the posters that they used, and the music used within the film became a huge component. I mean, we have a band that we follow around and that commits the sacrifice. True. Some of the artists were Florence and the Machine, hello, on her debut album, Lungs, Panic at the Disco, Haley Williams, Dashboard Confessional, Cute is what we aim for, Cobra Starship, which I totally forgot about, and All Time Low. Everybody (laughs) did. It's so good.
1: This film, like we've said, is a time capsule, not just for the aesthetic and the language and the lingo, for the music, hello, these were all bands at their height during this period.
0: The lead vocals from the fictional band in the movie, Low Shoulder, were provided by Ryan Levine, who actually played a different member of the band. So I thought Adam Brody sang when I first watched it. And I was like, oh, he's so dreamy. <laughs> and then Crushed. It totally burst your bubble, bitch. It totally did, because I actually do like this fucking song, even though it's played so many times. Oh, my God. The trees. You literally, I'm not going to get into it now, you. but,
1: like, there's so many different iterations of the song throughout the movie, and then it's used for different
0: parts of the movie. Like like you said, by the end of the fucking movie, you're singing along. It's, I love it. It sounds like something I'd absolutely be hearing while I'm looking at, like, two for 40 discount graphic tees at Hot Topic. <laughs> uh, reviews, marketing, probably the portion that I'm going to be on my most soapbox area. I'm not going to lie. Oh my God. Yeah, oh. I mean, rightfully so. Uh, this film, upon its release, was considered, it still is technically considered, a box office bomb. It only grossed $16 million within the U.S., barely making back its budget. The film would go on to gross a worldwide income of about $31 million, but the scrutiny that surrounded the film was very honestly just mean uh, Diablo Cody quickly became a critics punching bag her writing style became unfathomable and annoying according to many reviews um, Megan Fox was also undeservedly torn apart by the media during this time the me- we talked about it media news outlets and I'm just gonna call you out fucking press Hilton were heinous and like really fucking demeaning uh, this was only two years after Britney Spears famous media breakdown and so this is kind of like where we're at and where we're looking at women during this time period because it's really important for for this movie uh the media's portrayal of women their bodies and the sexualization of them was pretty much horrible and atrocious and megan fox and diablo cody just became like victims of all of this and because they were the star vehicles of this movie people were fucking angry about it and it just it, it's unjust and it's just it's showcase of like you said the time period that we were in on
1: yeah people people definitely saw the names attached and who Mm -hmm. starred and just immediately were turned off by it and i unfortunately was one of those people at the time (laughs) um but that wasn't because i disliked megan fox as a person Mm -hmm. or 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 anything of that matter i just got sick of seeing her on every fucking tv screen and magazine and everything um and like i said that's not her fault um But unfortunately, because of their careers leading up to this and how women are portrayed in the media, this movie didn't get a fair chance at all. Like it was DOA.
0: It really was, which just sucks because people came in with a preconceived notion of what they thought the movie was gonna be about and who they thought these women were. And so they immediately came in just like wanting to hound on this movie. And that's exactly what they did. Some of the reviews I listened to were just listened to, watched were just bad. Um, The film's failures are really honestly all to blame on the marketing from 20th Mm -hmm. Century Fox. Uh, It included, like, objectifying Megan Fox on literally all of its campaigning. Uh, They were all exclusively aimed at the wonderful market of straight white males who wanted to oogle and sexualize Megan Fox. Uh, There was never really an understanding of what material they had at hand. And the film being a feminist teen black comedy was never meant for this demographic. And yet the marketing, which at one point may have had Megan hosting an amateur porn site to promote the film. Like, that's just disgusting. They didn't understand what they had and that's what killed this. Cause I remember all of the marketing, she was half naked or like sexually eating blood. And then that was Mm -hmm. it like it yeah it's not this movie no it was it's not at
1: all it like you said this movie is like a dark teen comedy like feminist teen comedy essentially following this young woman's friendship from child until young womanhood and kind of the trials and tribulations that they go through with adding this like fun comical like fun Mm -hmm. dialogue with like this undertone of horror like it was like something we'd never seen before and it could have been great and had they right like marketed it towards the right demographic instead of just trying to use Mega Fox as a sex symbol to get horny teen boys in those seats because
0: at the, one of the interviews i watched diablo cody was talking about our our favorite test screenings and the people half the demographic that were there one half Really like Juno and we're expecting like this quirky teen heartfelt warm comedy and we're seeing all of this brutal murders of boys. So they were disgusted. And the other half were these gross cisgendered m- males. And one of the comments Diablo Cody stated was just more boobs, but boobs was spelled B-E-W-B-S. Boobs. <laughs> Clap if you care. Clap if you, clap if you care. Where was this test screening at, Wisconsin? See, we've talked about this before. We've talked about test screenings before. And this is one of like the victims of that. Like test screenings usually are fucking shitty. Why do we do them? And all the people who go to test screenings- You're ruining my life. Shitty people. (laughs) Like why would you trust this person's opinion? just awful and one of the reviews that i had to pull up was that uh, it reflected all of this these ideologies of the time a famous three-star review from the ever popular and mecca robert Ebert kind of speaks to that he opens his review with quote twilight for boys with megan fox and the robert Patson role except that i recall Patson was shirtless like huh <laughs> you misogynistic all... asshole
1: I hated uh, Roger Ebert. E- what, what, what there was two of them, though. There was Roger Ebert, and they used to have, like, a, a Sunday night show where they would review uh-huh. all the movies that came out that weekend. And I, I watched a few episodes just because I was curious, and I fucking hated it every single time. They always had, like, they were on this pedestal and so snooty about movies, which is, I guess, what critics do. But
0: that's why I don't like a lot of critics. They fucking make me
1: mad. <laughs> I was like, who gave you a pedestal? Why Why does this person's opinion matter?
0: At the movies with Gene Siskel and Robert Ebert. Siskel and Ebert, that's
1: what it was. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just so unjust because this movie is so fucking punk, so fucking feminist. It's hilarious. It's extremely dark and so gay. We haven't even touched about why we're doing this for pride. And I mainly want to talk about it when we start talking about the story beats. But it's so gay. It's so gay. It's so gay. Are you lesbian gay? <laughs> we're going to be lesbian gays together after we go to commercial. Welcome back to Reading Rainbow. We're reading your mother, bitch. Oh, wait a minute, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The film opens with Jennifer Check laying down at night, looking a bit ragged while she looks through her yearbook. And we open with a title card. Whee! In, gorgeous, in gorgeous pink cursive, by the way. Aww.
0: I feel like it's a gel pen. <laughs> it's a glittery, <laughs> a glittery <pink> gel pen. <laughs> yes, a
1: glittery pink gel pen. As she lies underneath her Fall Out Boy posters and pink decor, Needy watches from the window. In a voiceover, in Needy states, Hell is a teenage girl. Iconic. Opening. It's
0: such... Set- if that doesn't tell you what type of movie you're about to get into, like, I, it's the, it's one of my favorite opening lines in film, quite honestly. It's iconic.
1: It is. It's simple. It's to the point, And it, it's your thesis right there. <laughs> right? This is my thesis film. <laughs> From here, the film shifts to Anita Needy Lesnicki. She is a violent inmate in a mental institution. Her file even states that she's a kicker. K-I-C-K-E-R. Needy narrates that her life never used to be like this and continues to showcase the story through flashback while she's placed in solitary confinement.
0: What do you think of this opening?
1: I love this opening. I usually, I don't really like for them to show mm-hmm. where we're gonna end up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I feel like in this case, there was still a lot more to see that didn't really like. It, if anything, it made me more curious to see how she gets to that point because when we finally get to like the past or where the story begins, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. she's such a sweet, innocent girl who lives in this small town. Like, how does she get
0: to be a violent inmate at a correctional mm-hmm. facility? So for me, it didn't it didn't ruin it. This is honestly like my biggest problem with this movie. I hate movies that like oh i bet you're wondering how i got here (laughs) let me take it back that's exactly what this cliche is and that's what it is it's a cliche i'm not the biggest fan of it and this is where i'm gonna bring up i like amanda seafried i don't think she does a bad job but in my opinion i feel like she kind of she could have done better i use your time better maybe (laughs) (laughs) use your time more wisely maybe. maybe maybe it's For some reason, her delivery of the Diablo Cody dialogue just doesn't really work for me in a lot of parts, especially Mm -hmm. the I'm a kicker, the K-I-C-K-E-R. When Elliot Page did it in Juno, their cadence on it and they knew how to give the delivery with Amanda, it's kind of harder for me to do it. Megan Fox is so good at the delivery. Mm -hmm. She's so good Mm -hmm. at being that mean girl. I don't know if it's just my disdain and dislike for needy at as a like character. As a character. Because even the name Needy is too on the nose for me, Diablo. Yeah. I get it. I don't know. I, d- I don't know what it is. Amanda just doesn't sell it for me completely sometimes. In this no, movie. I totally I see your point. I
1: Maybe I was too focused on like Megan Fox's betrayal Because honestly, she like
0: she's the star of the movie she's in the my eyes. Which is kind of a bait and switch. Because I wasn't expecting, when I first watched this. Because I didn't even talk about that. I saw this in theaters. I was hugely obsessed with this movie my friends and i used to like uh trade back and forth this dvd that i owned because we would quote this movie constantly such a gay, <laughs> such a nerd gay. nerd the, just the showcasing of amanda is is when she gives the line of uh gracias ramundo and she's <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what we were talking about. We were talking about Amanda Seyfried's pr- performance in this. You're right. Megan Fox is very quick, and she gets the script. She's able to Dice. deliver Di- Diablo. 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 Please. Diablo. <laughs> Diablo. <Diablog>. Diagonelli.
0: <laughs> um... Diagonally.
1: Megan Fox got it. She was quick. She was, um, <laughs> it was almost like, a, I hate to use this reference because you're going to read me for it, but it was almost like a Gilmore Girls Gilmore episode. Girls. Where very I knew quick. it! curious. Where they're very quick. It's very quick-witted yeah. and there's a joke and there's always like a joke or a zinger in almost every line. Mm-hmm. And Amanda Stay didn't have quite the edge or the That's delivery, it really. Is. It was That's like it the, the edge, right? The edge and yeah. the delivery. She didn't have it. And I'm sure... I'm sure they worked with her on set to try and fine-tune that, and this is probably... I'll tell y'all this is probably the best performance that we were going to get from her.
0: Oh, Manson, I love her a bit, but she doesn't have the ring. And I See, that's the thing. I think she's a wonderful actress. When she does her, like, emotional beats, she's good. She does that amazing, like, actress, like, like two-second watery eye, red, like, fucking thing when they're crying. Yeah. She's good, but you're right. She just doesn't have that edge for it, and that's my biggest complaint with her in this character. She just doesn't have that... She doesn't have that thing to give this have delivery. She that stank on her. Thank you. You need a little stank on it. But I digress. We could continue on with flashbacks. Uh, we li- we are going to Devil's Kettle, Minnesota, a quote, shitty town with a sinkhole near its famous waterfall that supposedly leads to nowhere. Needy explains her friendship to gorgeous cheerleader mean girl, Jennifer Check, a friendship that started since childhood that everyone finds an like, an odd pairing. But remember, quote, Sandbox love never dies. And we also get an excellent cameo from Diablo Cody favorite, Valerie Tien as Chastity. And she even states the relationship. (gasps) You're totally lesbian." gay (laughs) (laughs) So this sequence for me is a better opener because it wears its heart on its sleeve. The dialogue's a lot smoother. I like that everyone doesn't think that the relationship should work, but it does only because they're childhood friends. I like it. I like all of this. I was talking about it with John that this movie, people like to argue the subtext is queer. I'm like, it's not subtext. It's very. It's text. uh, It's text, honey. (laughs) It's text that's
1: right there in front of you she's totally lesbian gay they say it in the movie
0: what's not clicking what's not clicking (laughs) and it's constantly played with and this is our first droppings of it because amanda seyfried the way that she looks at jennifer while she's performing at this like opening like whatever it is like Mm -hmm. homecoming rally it's like a
1: homecoming rally or something
0: what queer kid doesn't know that feeling of uh i'm in love with like either my best friend or someone who's not gonna love me back Bitch, do you know how many football games I went to just to
1: <laughs> see that fat ass jiggle across the 49 yard line? I don't know how many yards there are in a football field, but I'm going to assume there's at least 49. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. I hate a, you. I hate a, you queer so little, a queer little brown boy from the valley can relate to needy in this
0: moment. It's and that's what this whole movie is about, and then it it gets crazier, and that's why I love this movie. It wears its queerness on its on its sleeve, and if you don't see it, it's not for you. It's not for you. Knock away. Everything is for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, once we shift to the hallways at school, we get to finally get some interaction between Jennifer and Needy at their friendship, and their first lines together are, "Hey, monostat. What's up, Vagisil?" <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> total Diablo Cody writing. Total totally. Diablo Cody
1: writing. I love it. Uh, Jennifer convinces needy to blow off spending time with her boyfriend Chip and check out a band at a dive bar, Low Shoulder, an indie rock band she found on MySpace. Hold up, <laughs> <laughs> record scratch. I know. I record know. motherfucking scratch. I think this is like right around the time MySpace was slowly dying off. Like this was the beginning stage. No, this is at the height because I feel like it's. I know. It I think down you're right. Ten- 2010, 2011. So I feel like this was definitely its winding down phase. I feel like Jennifer's body was the
0: nail in the coffin for MySpace. Shut the fuck up. This is the movie that killed MySpace. You're so (laughs) stupid. T, I used to find music on MySpace all the time. I would go to someone's page and that music blasting. So good. Mm -hmm. I miss MySpace. Mm -hmm.
1: I really miss MySpace. Give it like four years. I'm sure some stupid little hipster kid's going to bring it back.
0: Anyway... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Jennifer says that the lead singer is, quote, extra salty, and that they must go <laughs> see them. You couldn't even what do what it. What does extra salty mean?
0: She says it multiple times. She also does her famous, "ill" crossing out needy. It's like total, like, stop trying to make extra salty work. It's not a thing. I'm bringing it back. That man is so <laughs> extra salty. That is so fetch. Gretchen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen.
1: Oh, shut up! Needy accepts and get and gets ready later with her boyfriend Chip. While getting ready, Needy even showcases their bond by knowing when Jennifer arrives before even making herself known. It's kind of weird.
0: Their connection's very strange. It's not really explained because later on, it also develops into like a psychic ability to like connect when Megan's like murdering. It's really interesting. They the shinning. They got the shin in it's it's so (laughs) odd but i i like this interaction when Needy's getting ready because she's constantly changing and she's like i have to make sure that because jennifer tells her you have to dress cute and in jennifer speak dress cute can be a multiple of things and it it reminds me of mean girls where it's like showcasing like the girl dynamic world and all of that stuff because Mm -hmm. Needy realizes she can dress cute but can't upstage megan and she can't Mm -hmm. show her tits because Quote, tits are her trademark. (laughs) That's that's not how trademarks work, honey, but whatever.
1: And now I can't wear gold hoops.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very much that energy. I love it because, like, I remember this being high school. But I just remember the, like, small intricacies of, like, high school relationships. There was this, like, dynamic that you had to follow and you couldn't break it.
1: It's... (sighs) Obviously, it's been a very long time since I was in high school. But thinking back, I'm just like, fuck (laughs) off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck
0: you, fuck you. (laughs)
1: Before I was so rudely interrupted, I like, high schoolers, much like uh, most young people, can't see further than, like, seven feet in front of them. They're in their own little bubble, and, like, you know, they live in their own world. So high school itself is, like, its own fucking battleground yeah Mm -hmm. so all these dumb little lines and shit like that just makes total sense to me because
0: this is how i was in high school and even chip talks to needy and tells her like you always listen to anything that jennifer says she's like no we don't he's like you guys don't even have anything in common and needy's like well we have shared common interests and that's being (laughs) T. (laughs) tina But once Jennifer arrives to pick up Needy, she makes fun of her relationship with Chip and we get some of the best lines. Uh, It smells like Thai food in here. Have you been fucking? (laughs) 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 That's so gross and xenophobic.
1: (laughs) We also get the iconic line. You're totally jello. You're lime green jello and you can't even admit
0: it to yourself. Come on, Diablo. Like like, no one speaks like this and I love it. I love her script. (laughs) So like off the wall. It is! Like, half the time I'm like, who says this shit? But I immediately can, cannot stop quoting it. <laughs>
1: like, I love it. She doesn't write like people would normally speak, but for some reason, because it's so, like, quirky and weird, it just makes you laugh.
0: See, but that's, see, that's a lot of people's complaints with their scripts. It's like, no one speaks like this. I'm like, nobody in any film speaks like that nobody in real life speaks the way they do in movies so how dare you really yeah like this is a fantasy bitch let us live thank our fantasy. you oh my god she's killing boys and you're worried about the
1: way that she speaks Fuck off good for her <laughs> what's at the dive bar we make chris pratt's character douche officer roman dude dada dada we we'll could just call him officer Ro- we'll just call him officer roman and we hey, run roman. into a football player <laughs> We run into a football player who will be quasi-important to the story beats later. We think his name is Crack. <laughs> what a generic
0: like white boy name. I know. But we also get a very quick cameo from Diablo Cody. She plays the bartender in the bar. Hey, Shimbuen. I know, right? Uh, low shoulder arrives, and immediately Jennifer is smitten with lead singer Nikolai Wolf. Adam Brody, of course. <laughs> and one of my favorite like quick lines is like, "Do you want me to get you something from the bar? They have these really awesome 9/11 tribute shooters." <laughs> <laughs> what the it's fuck? what it's the fuck?
1: Funny because like this actually happened here in a post 9/11 <laughs> America, where like we were so concerned with patriotism and ah. we couldn't call french fries french fries anymore they were freedom fries i
0: forgot about that
1: <laughs> and just i mean this is this is real this is life imitating
0: it art imitating life it was freaking ridiculous and it it's such a quick line but it's one of my favorites she's even like you got to drink it real fast or the red white and blue turns into this weird gush."
1: <laughs> like, turns it into this ugly brown color <laughs> it's in all honesty for what sells it for me too is her she suddenly in my opinion she suddenly went from being the hot girl at school confident to suddenly being the quite honestly desperate girl to get this guy's attention and she wanted do you want to drink do you want to do this nervous want, this is really good do you stuttering. want to drink mm-hmm. and so that's what really sold it for me that she was like talking too much and over explaining
0: it's so cute and it I I forget sometimes that I know it's Megan Fox. And like you kind of can't break that illusion. But Jennifer is meant to be a, a like a kind of quasi not really innocent high school girl, and it's moments mm-hmm. like that that really sells it for me. It's like yeah. it's so subtle, and she does. Megan Fox does a way better job than people kind of give her credit for in this movie. Yeah, definitely. But needy overhears the band discussing if Jennifer is a virgin or not. Needy, wanting to stick up for her best friend, states that she is and to leave her alone. Jennifer comes back and even states that pff, she's not even a backdoor virgin anymore, thanks to Roman. And by the way, that stuff hurts. <laughs> like, this, this, this script is ridiculous. This script is ridiculous.
1: I love it. It's so good. Uh, the band then performs their song, Through the Trees, which you will Through
0: hear. Through the trees. You'll hear I several. Shut up. You.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you will hear several more times throughout the movie. We get mm-hmm. a nice slow motion sequence of Jennifer entranced by the band while Needy is entranced by Jennifer as they hold hands for a moment. Quickly a, myst- <laughs> quickly, a mysterious fire starts during the performance and quickly engulfs the entire bar. While several people burn alive and the bar collapses, Needy and Jennifer escape. While in shock, Nikolai convinces Jennifer to leave with the band in their creepy rape band. Even mm-hmm. despite Needy's protest, she leaves. Needy returns home and calls Chip to inform him of the night's events.
0: This shit happens fast. The fire happens so fast. And is it meant to be like a demonic thing? Or was it like an accident? Because I always took it as like the band like starting to play and like a demonic force comes forward or some bullshit like that. Oh,
1: I didn't see it as a demonic force. I did see it as like the band starting the fire as like Mm -hmm. a catalyst for them to get Jennifer, like in order to get Jennifer away from Needy. Mm Because Needy's Needy. Ah! And so I kind of, saw, like, whatever, which way they started, whether it was by Supernatural Force or by them throwing a lit match into the trash can. Who knows? But I saw it as, like, a catalyst that the band used.
0: I get, And that's how I kind of view it as that, too. And it happens so fast because we get that. I think it's a really sweet moment. And I recognize it as, like, when I was a teen, queer, wanting love. And that, like, slow motion moment, I feel like that's so queer in its interaction. Do you kind of agree with me on that? Because yeah. as a queer, do you remember like romanticizing things that really weren't meant to be romanticized, or you blew things up yeah. than they actually were?
1: I mean, that doesn't every queer kid like. I mean, yeah. any queer any queer kid who's closeted is going to live in their imagination and live in their heads and live out these fantasies that they know won't. Maybe not happen now, or won't happen. But with want the them they to. Want to.
0: Yeah. Like I remember when a guy gave me like a sweater to wear in school, and he was not even gay. But then, like, you take any of those little moments as mm-hmm. like, oh my god, he's interested in me. He <laughs> wants me to wear it. Like, oh, you little. The queer. small gesture
1: of kindness really, like, like that you grasped onto because it, it was the only kind of somewhat like romantic
0: gesture that you'd ever gotten from another boy at that time. And that's what this reminds me of, which is why it's so interesting that we get it. And then the fire starts and it ruins the moment. <laughs> it ruins the moment. And it's wild. People are like running out of this thing on fire. The student from India that they talked about for a brief second, all of a sudden something falls on him. And we think he's dead, but they escape through that bat- nasty ass bathroom window. And Jennifer Ooh. is just like in shock. And this part's really hard for me to watch just because this is, this is the everything that happens to Jennifer is meant to symbolize rape in some way, shape, or form. And I know that's really mm-hmm. difficult for people, especially when they showcase the sacrifice happening later. But this is hard to watch. Watching needy like let her friend get in this van because as myself, I would have started to fucking throwing hands if someone <laughs> was trying to get my ha- friend in a fucking van that I had not no idea about. For like, definitely grounded in some sort of reality,
1: or obviously it's grounded in reality. But yeah, I mean, trigger warning it could be triggering for mm-hmm. those of you who have maybe not seen the movie. It I as we said there's no rape involved. Um it does give it's it's simulated of it. It's meant to invoke it. Correct. Um so we wanted they wanted to like give you this notion like it This like demonic possession, the sacrifice is essentially like their version of a rape for the movie.
0: It's it's hard to watch and Adam Brody is such a slimy skis ball that it's, and he's still so hot. It's so confusing (laughs) for me. (laughs) You only still
1: find him hot because you know it's not real.
0: Is this is true. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out for me. But we're going to move on. While on the phone, Jennifer arrives covered in blood and disoriented. She attempts to eat rotisserie chicken from Boston Market from the refrigerator, but she immediately vomits like a trail of black, spiky, gross fluid. And then she attacks needy and pushes her up against a wall and it gets very sexual and even asking her, are you scared? And she quickly leaves her and almost gives needy a hickey in the process of like pushing her against the wall and then leaves and that's the whole interaction it happens very quickly but mm-hmm. she's terrifying megan fox does a great job
1: yeah she comes in essentially the shell of a person it's like she's been reduced down to this like archaic
0: almost cave woman <laughs> like animalistic because she mm-hmm. even like screeches when she's When she pulls the rotisserie chicken out of the chicken and just starts shoving it in her mouth, she gives, like, a weird, like, raptor. (laughs) (laughs) She
1: does. She gives, like, a really loud screech, which would have horrified me, and I don't understand why it didn't wake up Needy's
0: parents, but whatever. The next morning, while having memories of their childhood bond, which include, like, a weird blood ritual when they were kids, when, like, Megan gets, like, the tack in her hand, and then Needy, Mm -hmm. like, sucks the blood out, even though she might get tetanus. Tetanus. I know. Needy tries to recount last night's events when all of a sudden Jennifer arrives refreshed and appearing as if nothing happened. Uh, The town also begins to mourn the death of several people. I believe it's in the 40s range. They lost like eight students and a teacher. Uh, Jennifer appears bubbly and energized, and she also dismisses Needy's concerns and gaslights her like a motherfucker, calling her crazy that she needs sleep and all of this other horrible shit. Uh, Jennifer then sets her sights on Jonas. The football captain, who is mourning the loss of his friend Craig, Jennifer seduces him and leads him to the forest next to the school and then proceeds to unhinge her jaw and disbowels him. All of this is fucking fantastic. I think good for her. Good for her. I'm so proud of <laughs> her. <laughs> I love it. I love that.
1: She just comes into the school the next day as if nothing happened, she's flipping her hair. She That's looks great. good. She's strutting down those hallways. Like it's any other fucking day. Needy's just gobsmacked. Like, what the fuck? Like you were just all archaic in my bathroom, in my bathroom, in my kitchen
0: eating rotisserie chicken from boston market that my mom was saving for <laughs>
1: product placement um and now she's just like acting like nothing happened and so she's just really confused and then meg sorry jennifer totally gaslights her and calls her crazy and dismisses her and then goes off to eat another boy in the forest like any good high school girl would
0: it's, it's part of a healthy diet, darling. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a beefy-ass football player, too. He is a beefy-ass football player.
0: But we get that sick-ass shot of Jonas in like, the football field, and then the camera just from far off end of the football field just mm-hmm. zoom straight in. I think it's sick. I think it's really cool, because we also get some sick-ass music playing over it, too. The soundtrack's amazing. But Jennifer is so fucking funny. She's like, yeah, I saw Craig pretty much the last time anyone else did. And it's so funny. He was saying that we'd make such a cute couple. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it, she's so fucking funny because of course Jonas can't think farther than his dick. So yeah. he's like, oh, I need to be comforted. And so she takes him out to the forest. and We get that cute like Disney moment where all of the animals start surrounding them. I know.
1: It was, it was kind of random but I just assumed that the animals were coming out as like an attraction to... Ooh jennifer's animalistic noises or whatever oh i thought they
0: just wanted to see him fuck they're like fuck yeah this is a show it's a donkey show i mean but they weren't even
1: fucking she just killed him
0: but she jacks him off a little bit she like puts his hand down her pants and she's like Uh, let me fill up your chorizo
1: she totally gave him blue balls and then ripped out his neck
0: i know because that's when we get our first like instance of like i want to say maybe like phase three of jennifer when her jaw just unhinges and just kills him and then we get th- mm-hmm. the best scene with J.K. Simmons who's leaving this the high school and he hears all the screaming and he's just like let it out let it all <laughs> out <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> he's over there being some like hippy dippy therapist thinking these kids
0: are getting their aggressions out <laughs> It's this script is so good. It's so dark. It's wonderful. But he's the one that finds the body. And I think they end up describing this scene as later uh being a oh uh they found him like lasagna with teeth is what she left him as. Ew! It's
1: mm-hmm. a horrible description. I nipples. <laughs> it's a horrible word. Uh, meanwhile, the band Low Shoulder quickly gains popularity in becoming heroes to the town. The rumors spread that the that they aided people in escaping the fire, and their song Through the Trees mm-hmm. becomes their anthem and is played multiple times throughout the film. And Nick wrote, but it's okay, it slaps. <laughs> and I don't quite agree with that. That is a personal opinion of Nicholas Reese, and that doesn't affect that doesn't that doesn't reflect our values here at tcq video
0: how dare you i'm gonna put it on every time a new customer comes into the store (laughs) blast that shit anyway later (laughs) we are introduced to needy's mom tony lasnicki she's i feel like we just wanted an excuse to have uh amy sedaris pop up (laughs) like she's really like not really a character even this conversation doesn't really matter it really doesn't matter no it doesn't Uh, But most importantly, we get our infamous shot of Jennifer swimming in the lake, a sexual awakening for many a people. This is like the most iconic shot in the whole movie because this is what they marketed like fucking crazy next to them making out. It's a
1: very iconic shot. And like you said, it was used heavily in the marketing of this movie because they just wanted to over sexualize this movie.
0: Isn't it ridiculous?
1: That night, we get the excellent phone call scene. Jennifer showcases her new demon powers by lighting her tongue on fire with the lighter and watches it heal, giving us another iconic line of, I
0: am a god. My favorite is Amanda Seyfried's delivery on that one, because she's like, okay, anyway, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Also, we have one of the other best lines of, I'm having the best day since like Jesus invented the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> that makes zero sense. It's understand. so funny. Understand. It's so
1: understand. funny. And then Jennifer also states her interest in Chip when Needy states she's going to hang out with him, which is a total bitch move.
0: Like, it's so toxic. Their relationship yeah. develops into this horrible relationship. Hi, and sorry. <laughs> Can I speak to the manager?
1: <laughs> we just heard that voice crack. Say crack again. Crack. Yeah, total bitch move. And I think this is meant to like showcase more of the fact that Jennifer is not Jennifer anymore and that she's like obviously possessed. Because I feel like Jennifer's friend Needy wouldn't really make a move on Chip. I feel like Chip's not even her type, but she's just hungry
0: and she wants to piss Needy off. I think it's both. I think it's the demon like pulling shit out from Jennifer because even before she becomes like the succubus of like healing men, she's kind of, she's a bitch. She's a bitch to needy and she still like degrades her and stuff like that. So I think it's just like, it gets amplified. A month later, Jennifer begins to appear sick and quote-unquote normal. Low Shoulders also announced to perform for free at the Spring Formal, and I have to put that we get another wonderful moment with Chastity because she starts arguing with Needy because Needy's like, they weren't even there. And Chastity gives us one of my favorite lines of, uh, uh-uh, uh, it's true. It was on the Wikipedia.
1: <laughs> Bitch!
0: <laughs> they just love highlighting her with these, like, one-liners. Uh, Anyway, in the hallway, Jennifer states she feels like boo-boo and that something is wearing off. She doesn't tell us what's wearing off. But while in the hallway, she's asked out on a date to go see Rocky Horror with Colin Gray. Hottie, but not his hair. He's also so queer. It's like this goth guy wants to go see the Rocky Horror picture show
1: he is a thousand percent that weird kid in high school that everybody kind of suspected but wasn't sure and then maybe like four or five years after high school when people saw him with his boyfriend
0: like I fucking knew he was gay you fucking bitch you're such a fucking bitch and those were the guys I had crushes on in high school but my favorite
1: is that he asked her to go see Rocky Horror at the local theater and she goes I'm not
0: into boxing movies (laughs) (laughs) It's so good! She also she's also, like, not about it. She states, uh, he's into maggot rock. He wears nail polish. My dick is bigger than his. Like, fuck! She went in. Uh, Jennifer only accepts the date after Needy states that she kind of digs Colin. She thinks she's fine. He's cool. And she gives Colin her number and promises to text him later. Like, this is another. like, their relationship is so nasty. Like, Jennifer keeps doing that thing of like, you want it, I'm gonna take it, it's mine. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things of like possession where needy needs Jennifer as like a friend and it becomes that like parasitic of like, okay, if you're gonna need my attention, I'm gonna take everything else away from you. Kind of those things. And it's nasty, it's nasty. It's toxic. That
1: night, while Chip and Needy have sex, Needy has visions of blood and a dead Jonas with a disturbed Jennifer by his side. Whilst this is all taking place, Jennifer leads Colin to a development neighborhood where she sets up candles in an abandoned, unfinished home. She seduces Colin and quickly brutally murders him. This all occurs together and is cut to showcase that they have a connection.
0: I watched this movie twice. I watched it, unfortunately, once with my dad. It was his first time watching it. So this scene <laughs> was very uncomfortable to watch, but I watched it again <laughs> later. This scene is so wild. How do you feel about this scene of them having sex? And while she's having sex, she sees blood. She's, she feels someone getting murdered and she can feel all of like this animalistic, demonic tendencies that Jennifer is having. Like, where do you feel on the spectrum of this? I thought it was
1: weird in all honesty I it is like it's it was very a little strange. out of yeah i felt like it was a little out of place in all honesty because this is the only time that we like establish that there's some sort of like telepathical connection between Needy and jennifer um i don't know i just i felt like it was kind of reaching and it was like branching mm-hmm. off into a storyline that wasn't ever like concluded or solidified
0: i will definitely give you that i will actually fully agree with that last part because i do think that they showcase the connection quite a bit throughout the movie because it's also used later on what during the pull house scene and alluded to in some of the scripts like when a man when amanda seyfried when he's like oh jennifer's here because they have that weird connection this is where it like really delves into like some psychic link or something it's very odd especially since while they're having sex and, and, and Needy's having all these visions and she starts oh, oh. <laughs> and Chip's <laughs> just like fuck yeah like I got this shit like are you okay? <laughs> like yeah, he, he really thinks, he's thinks he's like giving it, it to her tone. seriously but uh, Colin's death is really harsh Uh Jennifer even states that like I need you hopeless I need you fearful in order to have this happen and that's what like needy's feeling so this scene Mm -hmm. I do agree kind of feels out of place I think it's only due to the fact that like it's the sex is involved and is that supposed to be like a sexual thing for Jennifer when she kills the guy because this monthly thing is also just this whole movie is like a path of like female friendships developing and a female developing in her like adulthood because she Mm -hmm. feeds every month like her period and instead of Mm -hmm. needing like the menstrual cycle she needs to kill for blood so I see all of that used but it's just weird in conjunction with like the sex scene and it could just be because we're two male identifying individuals so we can't relate to that so that's Mm -hmm. maybe why we're not identifying with it but I will agree it just feels like a little out of place out of place just the way that the connection is used but Mm -hmm. I I I like the sequence. I don't mind the sequence. I think it's really well structured. Yeah, it's not bad. And it it adds a nice
1: little layer or something. I just didn't think that it was solidified in the script or in the movie.
0: Mm -hmm. Because Colin's death is also mainly done off screen, which I wanted a little bit more of, but I don't mind. Because we Mm -hmm. do get a cool, sick, fucking shot of when she's finally killed him his body's on the floor and his insides are just like gutted out and Megan's just drinking blood with her hands by scooping it out of his stomach thick beautiful I think it's so effective I think it's a really good like reveal
1: yeah and it's just like a silhouette like you just see their shadows on the wall Mm -hmm. it's really cool for the most part yeah it's very good Needy knowing something is wrong drives off in a panic and almost runs over Jennifer who is drenched in blood Once she arrives to an empty home, Jennifer surprises her by wearing her Evil Dead t-shirt and shows up in her bed. Jennifer seduces Needy, and they have a very steamy makeout session. Confused, Needy asks for explanations. Jennifer then explains that Lois' shoulder had taken her into the woods after the bar fire and offered her as a virgin sacrifice to gain success and fortune. Although the sacrifice was a success due to her not being a virgin, a demonic exchange took place, so she became possessed by said demon. Leaving the woods after her possession, she encounters an exchange student from India who she makes her first victim. Jennifer states that she is almost invincible while full full and cannot feel pain. To quote her, she says some X-Men shit and she like slices her arm open and then just like instantly heals like some Wolverine type shit.
0: So this is probably the most iconic, gay, lesbigay, queer section of the movie. And it's very important because jennifer is using needy in the most fucked up way by playing with her emotions i feel like people judge this scene and this movie and this part in particular because this was also the biggest parts of the marketing like they couldn't stop showing this fucking girl and girl makeout scene i it's i think it's very important to the story i think it it tends to the story because Jennifer knows that Needy is attracted to her and she plays with her and her emotions in this moment. Because I do think Jennifer ha- does have feelings for Needy. And I think this demon is like playing with it, but mm-hmm. the scene is hot because I do think that their makeup scene is good. It very much reminds <laughs> me of Cruel Intentions when Sarah Michelle Geller mm-hmm. made out with Selma, Selma Blair. Blair. Uh, get my pussy wet. <laughs> This is great because Jennifer still like gaslights her at the end of telling her the story and we sympathize with Jennifer. We get a really, really kind of hard to watch scene of the sacrifice because I think Megan Fox gives a really excellent performance of her like being terrified and scared during all of this. So this whole sequence just shows where their friendship is at, how Jennifer is manipulating Needy the exploration of teenagers and their sexuality. Cause I remember making out with some of my friends during this time period trying to figure shit out. So like it plays with that, but it's also really like, I feel bad for needy. I feel really bad for needy because I guess I identify with needy, maybe that's why because I was needy. <laughs> you are needy. I am needy, like whatever, but like how do you feel about it? Because it's the most gay, it's gay as shit and it's the why we're bringing it into pride and this relationship is so interesting and we're talking about it during pride.
1: I feel I I get your point of view and I get I get needy's point of view, like I understand what you're saying of this attraction to Megan or uh Jennifer. You this, can like, do it toxic... too. <laughs> <laughs> and this like toxic relationship that they have, I however cannot like relate because I didn't experience any of these things in high school very much like deep in the closet at this age. But I I can see and I can see like how this would make somebody feel and I I sympathize.
0: Right? It's it's kind of it really sucks uh how did you feel about the sacrifice scene when they start singing eights five seven i loved, <laughs> loved
1: it i love
0: when a
1: film can can use music as like a juxtaposition to what is being portrayed in the scene so they go with this like 80s hit from i forgot what the band who the, the singer is um but it's called, uh, the song's called Jenny, and it's got this phone number 8675309. 3, yeah, yeah. And I just love it. Even though it's really fucked up and they're killing and her, it's, and they're sacrificing it's really her. Fucked up. I just think that adding in this like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, dark twist with the song was mm-hmm. a, a way to make it easier, digestible for the audience. So that way it wasn't so
0: real. I can see that, but it also made it harder for me to watch because I thought this shit was fucked up because Adam Brody gives an excellent performance. He's such a douche. And at one point, one of the band members was like, I don't know if I could do this. And his way to get him on is like, you want to be like that guy from Maroon 5, right? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, oh my I do. God. Like, what the fuck? But it, it's hard to watch because you know what this is supposed to be symbolism for. You know that this is this is the start of Jennifer's like, rape revenge horror movie, which is kind of my least favorite like subgenres and horror is the rape revenge story because it's really difficult to watch and I know there's supposed to be this catharsis. But I this sacrifice is it's harsh, especially coming after the Me Too movement. And like seeing all of this played with in this dark comedy, I gotta give credit to mm-hmm. Diablo and the director, Karen. Like you guys really tried to do some hardcore shit veiled as like a a, a mark like a mainstream movie like you're dealing mm-hmm. you're dealing with queerness with a rape scene you're dealing with complex female relationships within just this scene alone like this, yeah. this scene within itself is talking about all those things and you guys dare to try and do it with a quote-unquote mainstream movie so god damn i gotta give credit where credit is due
1: yeah definitely like i
0: said this Was a product before its time. Mm Mm-hmm. You are so, so right about that. But after a small confrontation, Jennifer leaves through her bedroom window. She literally leaps out the fucking thing. And the following day, Needy attends Colin's funeral and starts studying at the library's occult section and deduces that Jennifer is a succubus and that she can only be killed when hungry and weak. Needy attempts at warning Chip about going to the dance and about Jennifer's new possession. He doesn't believe her and she breaks up with him to protect him. Uh, we get our infamous line of she's evil and not just high school evil. <laughs> <during> this. <sentence. laughs> It's just, a, I think it's just another scary movie story beat. No one ever believes the main antagonist, the main protagonist.
1: Yeah, it's definitely another trope that they threw in to kind of solidify it as like a horror movie. Right. They all begin to get ready for the formal. Jennifer smears makeup on her doll face and Needy wears the worst dress since never been kissed and, Chis- and Chip decides to go solo. First of all, how dare you rip off that dress? I love that dress. I love that it was total 80s look while walking to the dance he's approached by jennifer who lies to him she states that needy has been acting strange due to her cheating on chip with jonas which is why she's been so affected by his death he barely believes her but is seduced either way they kiss and needy instantly knows where they are and one particular interesting line that showcases needy and jennifer's relationship is when jennifer and chip are making out she asks if she's better than needy that's fucking gross and weird. I
0: know. It's so weird. But this is like the last like real connection of like their psychic abilities. Because the minute they kiss, she's like oh, Chip! And then we get a lot of slow motion runs through the forest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Fuck Jennifer, toxic bullshit. Like this is some possessive, abusive, toxic friendship bullshit. She's my friend, not yours. Uh, Jennifer leads Chip to an abandoned pool house and begins to feed on him. Needy arrives and begins to fight with Jennifer. And we have like iconic line after iconic line after iconic line. Cause once they're in the pool, she dives in, they're all wet and Jennifer starts to levitate and we get my favorite line of she can fly. She's just hovering. It's not that impressive. (laughs) <laughs> God you have to undermine everything I do You're such a player hater just Fuck <laughs> the lines just come like One after the other cause we also get the Hannah Montana line You're a jerk Wow great insult Hannah Montana <laughs> <laughs>
1: So Jennifer lunges at Needy But Chip impales her with a pool skimmer And
0: Jennifer removes it and escapes While Chip dies We still get more iconic lines cause once she gets That thing in her stomach she <laughs> Do you have a tampon? <laughs> Thought I'd ask. You seem like you'd be plugging. <laughs> it's so, good. It's part. so and Jennifer- good.
1: And Megan Fox's delivery of the line is what seals the deal, in all honesty. It
0: really is. I love this scene because their relationship is fight like this is that big fight. Have you ever had a big fight with a friend? And it kind of like your friendship kind of ended after that. This is what kind of reminded mm-hmm.
1: me of it. Yeah, for sure.
0: Of like those really bad high school friendships, and like you're a bitch. You're a bitch and then it's that's just, it we're not friends exactly that's what this feels like and it's I thought the movie was going to end here and I forget that it kind of continues
1: <laughs> yeah it, and it's not a bad thing it just no, kind no, an
0: extra little like neatly wraps everything up Uh we revert back to the opening set of Jennifer laying down from the beginning of the film when Needy appears and breaks into her bedroom and by breaking in I mean she literally lunges through the fucking window like she's stone cold Steve Austin and it's WWE like what the <laughs> Fuck, uh, but she fights Jennifer with a box opener, and Jennifer also gives me another favorite line: "Do you get all of your murder supplies at Home Depot?" God, you're Butch. Butch.
1: <laughs> it's so, it's good. so good.
0: Uh, they have a levitating fight above Jennifer's bed. Once Needy rips Jennifer's BFF necklace off of her, she stabs her in the heart, or as Jennifer refers to as, my tit. <laughs> <laughs> and she bleeds to death. Jennifer's mother enters and finds Needy on top of her body. I fucking love the way that this sequence is shot. I love this fight. I think it's so beautifully choreographed because them floating upside down reminds me of like Nightmare on Elm Street. When yes, that's exactly what I room. was thinking. Mm-hmm. I love the interactions. Their fight is so funny. But my favorite shot is when she rips the BF off. Necklace off and Jennifer starts like levitating down in slow motion. Yeah. And Amanda like falls on top of her in slow motion. Uh It is beautiful. And the music, the tension is so good. It this is an excellent, like, final fight. I think it's so sick.
1: Yeah, it's a really nice, like almost like final boss fight. Like, yeah! Final round fight. It's a nice like cap to the movie, like Finally, this bitch is taken down. And I love all the, like, quips that were thrown in there. Like, even though it was the ultimate fight scene, it was so fuck Like, it had me laughing. And not many horror movies can do that.
0: Right? It ba- I would say that it balances its horror and comedic tones really well. I don't think it's necessarily scary for me, but we're also too for
1: geeks who watch disgusting shit
0: who's been desensitized so it doesn't really scare yeah. me but i can see where it gets scary i think the shit is so fucking good and we of course we get another lesbian like joke in there and my lesbianic sister she calls this fight the levitating scissor fight she's like look they're oh scissoring <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so good Uh, Soon Needy is brought to an asylum and we finally return to the beginning sequence of the movie where we meet her in solitary confinement. Uh, she reveals that she was bitten by Jennifer during their fight and when someone is bitten by demon and survive they receive some of they receive some of those powers she gains her super strength and an ability to levitate she levitates from the bottom floor of solitary all the way up to this one random window, window yeah. <laughs> that she breaks out of and her powers allow her to escape from the mental facility and she hicks, she hitchhikes a ride to a hotel that low shoulder is staying at while the credits roll, we get a short video and picture stills of the band entering the hotel. And soon that changes to crime scene photos of the being murdered. The last shot is of a surveillance camera that captured Needy as she leaves the hotel room.
1: These are essentially like post-credit scenes, mm-hmm. but not really kind scenes. Of, yeah. Thoughts,
0: feelings, concerns.
1: I wish the band would have got an on-screen kill. I think they Me deserved cute. an on-screen kill. Um, especially Adrian Brody.
0: I wanted to see his fucking face with your fucking face on your face.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like they deserved a non-screen kill. Um, it doesn't like ruin it for me. No. But it's, I would have appreciated it. I mean, I'm sure the, the cast would have appreciated an non-screen kill as well.
0: You're, you wanted more of a catharsis of the ending. You wanted yeah. like some sort of like revenge, right? Mm-hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the style that they did it. I think the style they did it was. It's. I think it's really effective, and I actually think it's kind of neat. I love this mm-hmm. like fan videos of them coming to the hotel, surveillance videos, and like pictures that they were taking. I think it's really cool, and it's kind of before surveillance movies were like a big thing. So they yeah. kind of hit that bubble before it was. I do wish it was a better catharsis. We also get Amanda Seafried getting a hitchhike from a really gross creeper guy that w- uh, makes me very uncomfortable, but I don't mind the closing end because we do get Jennifer's death. We get all that, and in my brain, I feel like Needy's off doing like a Supernatural CW spinoff of her like going to do Supernatural stuff. CW spinoff. You know CW would fucking do that shit. You know it's a yeah, CW they would. show.
1: <laughs> Stop throwing up the CW at me.
0: Uh So final verdicts and ratings on this movie and where you feel this lies in our pride filmography.
1: I have to give this movie a four out of five. I feel like it's a solid movie. I have to take off a point for some like small plot holes, not killing the band on screen. Um, And just some like, I want to say like, outdated terms and maybe, like, jokes that were in there. Um, But there are some, like, things that didn't age well, um, so I'd have to, like, ding a point for that. But other than that, it's I still enjoy this movie. It's
0: a dark feminist comedy horror movie. What's not to like? I know. How do you feel about it within the queer pantheon of, like, Pride movies? I
1: definitely consider this at least on the spectrum of you know gay cinema um this relationship between needy and jennifer and almost like this introspective view that they give on the relationship how a relationship between two females would develop throughout their adolescence was and through a horror lens it was an interesting thing to see because we've seen it in movies like 13 Mm-hmm. but this kind of gave it a different spin with this like horror aspect mm-hmm. um but i like it i like it for our pride month um i think a lot of our viewers are fans of this movie i feel like they've already seen it and they know all the gay undertones and subtleties that come with it
0: i think you're right about our fans because there were a lot of fans that came out of the woodwork for cursed and that makes me so
1: happy <laughs> oh it my god
0: so no anyways what are your thoughts I would very much agree. It totally deserves a four out of five. I think that there's aspects that I would have changed or things that I would have wanted, like the deaths of the band members. I would have wanted a far more, like I wanted to feel good about their deaths, you know, um i do agree i'm glad that you brought that up the outdatedness of a lot of the quote-unquote jokes because they do drop the r word i think i counted four or five times oh yeah Uh it's very uncomfortable there's a lot of jokes that are xenophobic there's also very homophobic jokes but due to the fact that this movie deals with queerness i feel like it kind of gets away with that four out of five for sure and just for the idea of that it fits within our pride collection of films that we want to talk about i think it is very important because it We've talked about the early 2000s in Cursed and we've talked about it in Scream 4 where this time period was just, it was super popular to be homophobic, to be be unabashedly mean to queer people. And this movie is so complex and what it wants to talk about and unfortunately the way it was marketed just didn't meet that standard but Mm -hmm. i think it's important for queers to watch this movie it is very overtly queer it is not subtext it is straight plain text homie (laughs) like i don't know what to tell you and i love that for this movie it is not afraid to be dark it is not afraid to be on the edge comedic I think it succeeds in some areas where the horror is at, but like we said, we're desensitized Mm -hmm. and I think it's important for the community to watch this because we don't have a lot of mainstream stuff. And this movie dares to talk about like female relationships and sexuality towards each other and explore parasitic relationships. And that's really fucking cool. I feel like horror is probably the only place you could really do that comfortably to do that. Cause we talked about that with hereditary. We talked about that serial mom. We talked about movies that, want to talk about hard shit, but you're able to do it in the horror umbrella because it's easier Mm -hmm. to digest. Yeah. You hit the nail on that. I feel like. Thank you. So everybody, (laughs) next week's flick I feel like might be a controversial one because I don't know if people fully consider it a gay flick, but I do. The Carpenter Queens are going to take a cool dip in the waters of the most homoerotic flick from the early 2000s. (laughs) We are talking about 2006's The Covenant, written by J.S. Cardone and directed by Rennie Harlan. I am so ready. I am so ready and my body is ready.
1: I love that all of our queer movies are coming from this very homophobic time period. I
0: know! (laughs) Isn't it crazy?
1: Uh, but I, too, am very excited to see this movie. I actually saw this movie in fucking theaters. So, I did, too. Uh,
0: we are so ready to talk about The Covenant, which is essentially, like, a gay craft. Yay. I'm so ready for all these hotties. So many hotties left and right. But if you'd like to keep up with us, follow us on our Instagram at The Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is at Nicholas Alexander Photography. My personal account is at
1: STFU Ray. And that concludes this week's episode, guys. We Catch us on the flip side, guys. Catch you
0: on the next one. Bye, 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 bye. bye, 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 bye. bye, bye, bye.